Father, we thank you for your care over us, your providence. You make things happen. You set things in motion that are designed for our benefit and for your glory. And we're excited, Lord, to see what more you will do in the future. And we ask that you would prepare us along the way. And we know that you do that by us being involved in the memorization of your word, the studying of it, the inquiry to find out what your will is and is not. Could you please instill these things in us as we go through your word this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. We are currently in Hebrews chapter 12. And as we go through Hebrews, we went through Hebrews chapter 11. It's the hall of faith. We got to Hebrews chapter 12. And in chapter 12, it tells us that we're surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses and tells us to run like in a coliseum. Uh, But there are at least three times in this one chapter where you see therefore. Therefore is in verse 1. It is in verse 12. And it is in verse 28. So he makes a theological statement and he says, therefore you, and he gives you the responsibility and me to react to what you just heard. If you hear this truth, we bear the responsibility to transform the truth into action. And as we go through this, there, there is that uh, series by Warren Worsby, the commentary series. It's called uh, B, the B series, like be ready, be prepared, those types of things. Well, this chapter is the B chapter. This is it. In this chapter, we will find be prepared, be fit, be right, be bold, be watchful, and be thankful. Now, I'll go through this uh, so that you're not confused. I'll mention it again. But back in verse 1, and we've already covered verse 1, but I just wanted to back up for a minute. This is where it is be prepared. So since we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, you know I've already talked about the racers being out there. But before they even get onto the track, they have to take off their warm-up, right? They have to put on their track shoes and they're shaking their legs out and they're shaking their arms out. They're doing all that. They are preparing. And that's what this verse is telling us. And you need to probably write this down. If it's in your Bible, just put it in the margin. The first one is be prepared and prepared for what? If we read the next few verses, I think it's down to verse 11. It talks about the suffering of Christ and it talks about our discipline. So if you take off your track clothes and you put on your track shoes and your loosening up your arms you know when you're running and those olympic runners are out there if you remember doing this from high school or from college you start running or just for recreation you start running there comes a point where your body starts saying all right i'm experiencing pain at this point and they train you to overcome that pain and to keep on going matter of fact when the pain is in your body what, what do they say about uh, pain? Pain is just fear leaving your body or something like that. It, 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 what, what is it? How does it go? 
pain is weakness leaving the body. That's it. And so you're, you're experiencing this pain, and in your weakness, God is made strong, so you're actually stronger as you keep on running. But it hurts, and the lactic acid, it builds up in there, and you've got some pain going on, and you can feel your heart just kind of out of your chest, and you're breathing real hard, and the sweat's coming down, and it's tough. It's hard. And that's what you're supposed to prepare for, is it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. And as you're running, you're going to experience the pain. But as you do, you look to the one who ran the race the best, which is Jesus Christ. He ran all the way across the finish line and gave his life. Now, none of us have done that in here, but he did. He ran that full measure. And then when we're experiencing that pain, you're supposed to experience it as discipline, or you're supposed to consider it as discipline. The Lord is treating you as sons and daughters. That's what we talked about before. Now, also in verse 12 where it says, therefore, the first therefore was in verse 1. The second therefore is in verse 12. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather be healed. Now, I already covered this one as well. But this is the be fit. So first you had be prepared and this is be fit. Now, what do you mean by be fit? First of all, you look at it in a literal sense, and are you supposed to be physically fit to do all you can for the work of the Lord? The answer on that is yes. If the Lord wants you to go to some far reaches in the Amazon River Delta, you have to be physically able to do so. Now, some people are incapable of that because of their... uh, physical makeup they they just can't do something like that and i get that we all get to a particular age where we cannot endure uh, such hardship physically but if we are capable of getting to the point where we can we need to work on it we need to get to that point if you're one who can endure heat You say, okay, I'm going to endure heat for the Lord wherever I go. If you're one that says, well, you know, I, uh, you know, I I lost some weight recently and then I gained it back. Not all of it, but I I gained it back. Well, I need to lose it again. Uh, It's because of that indulgence and I want to be physically fit and just as you should be physically fit for whatever the Lord has ahead. You want to have that stamina build up. Uh, Just as if you're the runner that was talked about previously here. You want to make sure that you can endure for the length of the course that you're not going to just kind of uh, peter out at the end. You're just going to fall off by the wayside. So you're supposed to be prepared for what lies ahead, the suffering as well as the discipline, and also be physically fit. Now, that physically fit can also be like a metaphor. He can be speaking metaphorically here where you're just preparing your mind. You're certainly preparing your body, but you're preparing your mind, and that would be a concomitant with verse 1. Now, thirdly, we're supposed to be right. Now, what do I mean by that, supposed to be right? Doesn't every man like to be right? Doesn't every woman tell the man that you just want to be right? Well, if that's the case, yeah, we like being right. Whether you're a man or a woman, we like to be right. But you need, if you're doing work for the Lord, you need to be right in his eyes. Now, what specifically does that mean? There is this righteousness being right before him that he imputes to us. It's like he's standing off and he says, here's a box of righteousness and he infuses it into you and you become right before him. You become in one who is in good standing with him. That's called imputed righteousness. And you are okay in the eyes of God. As a sinner who has not accepted Christ, if he hasn't done that, 
for you, you are not right in his eyes. And you will not go to heaven, and there is only judgment which is to come. Now, that's what Scripture says. And so we have to pay attention to that. But that's not what I'm talking about here. This idea of being right, we are told what it is in verse 14. To be in right standing as far as our life is concerned, make every effort to live in peace with all men, and to be holy without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So what is he talking about here? Well, first, being at peace. Now, in chapter 5 of Matthew, there is something that is said about peace and peacemakers. Can anybody quote that? For they shall... For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Now, are you one that, that likes to make peace or likes to make war? Uh, I s- scour uh, news websites. I just, I love keeping up on the news. I love making sure I know what's going on around me all the time. I try to stay informed, not only for myself, but for you guys. And every once in a while, you'll run across something. And I, I saw this little video. It was a guy in high school, and somebody had their video camera out, or the video camera with videotape in it probably, right? No, they had their phone out and they were recording and you heard this guy say something about a burrito, told another guy to throw it and hit this other guy. And this other guy, he was bigger. I mean, he was taller. He was more stout than this other high schooler, at least a head taller. Kid throws the burrito at the other guy. The other guy, he goes like this. He looks over at the guy. He starts walking towards him. He pulls off one of his straps for his backpack. And before he even has it off, he's right in front of the guy, just extends his arm, takes the guy out, knocks him over. The kid who threw the burrito was the one ready to fight, ready to be mean, ready to just get on him. The kid, in one sense of the word, made peace. The guy didn't get up. He was just being mean. You know, I have a sick affection for things like that. When I, when I see somebody who is just being mean as all get out, I don't know what it is in my background that causes me to be like that. I cheer for the underdog. I just go, he had no reason to do something like that. The guy was just minding his own business, walking by. And that's what this guy had to do. Now, if that's your bent... If you just like to laugh at somebody's calamity, in the same viewing, I saw this other one. This mom was sitting at a table, and her plate was filled with mashed potatoes. And she bent down, she smelled it. She goes like that, this smell funny? And she turns over to her daughter, who's sitting right next to her, and all this is being filmed. And she goes, here, smell that. And her plate was full of mashed potatoes too the girl goes down to smell it and the mom goes Whoa! like that right in the mashed potatoes I go how oh Eric laughs I go how mean you know how totally mean is that and the poor kid you know started crying and the mom's just laughing like it's the biggest joke in the world and I thought that is not very much being a peacemaker and, and as Christians We're to be peacemakers. Now, not so much in that sense, but with our neighbors, with everybody who is around us, we are supposed to do that. Romans chapter 14, verse 19 
says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. And, you know, you have somebody that you don't like very much. Have you ever said, I hate that person? I cannot stand that person. I don't like what they do. I don't like where they are. I'd rather just not see that individual anymore. Well, this is what Scripture has to say about hating somebody. 1 John chapter 2, verse 11, But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. In other words, you're not even a believer. If you say of somebody, I hate you, <laughs> hey, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we're supposed to love our enemies. And that's an exhortation not only to you but to me. Because I find that very difficult to do. But he tells us, this is his command, that we are to deny the flesh, be right spiritually, and seek to have peace with all men who are out there. And then also is this idea he talks about here of holiness. Now, holiness, again, is being separate or separated for God, where righteousness is that thing which is imputed to you. Holiness is you are making sure you live a holy life like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Also, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And so it's this idea of sanctification. We are pulling ourselves apart for God's use. You reserve it for that special thing. For those uh, men in here, maybe women too, who have toolboxes at home. If you've had tools for very long, you have a drawer that is full of screwdrivers. Screwdriver, yes, I do. I have some screwdrivers that you've picked up from here and from there, and there's not necessarily one nice set. And if you have a nice set, you only get that nice set for a delicate job. You want to make sure this job is done right so you get the good screwdrivers, right? And you pull those out. You don't just get the everyday stuff with the broken tips, the craftsman one that you can turn it back in. You have snap-ons. And snap-ons are there for the special job. You're going to make sure that they are used only for those special jobs to keep them nice and neat and clean in their little carrying case. And that's wonderful. Well, that's how God looks at you. Now, it's not that you're a screwdriver, but you are set apart specifically for task and God goes to you and says, okay, I'm going to take this one. And he lifts you out and says, okay, you are the one specifically for this job. You have been separated, set apart. Now, uh, several years ago, we had a small fire in our garage. My neighbors saved our house. My daughter calls me, dad, our house is on fire. And I'm going, what? You know, I'm trying to get home as fast as I can. The neighbors got there, and they pulled out the hoses, opened up the garage door. Smoke was billowing out the garage door. They just started spraying everything on the inside. My toolbox was open. And so the tools that I had in there that were exposed, they started to rust. You know, I still have them, and they're kind of rusted. 
And if I want to do a good job, I don't go for those rusted tools that are really not set apart for anything. If I have a really just scrappy job, okay, I'm going to grab the rusted stuff, right? You are not to be rusty. You are to make sure navel jelly has been applied to you to remove all rust and you have been buffed and shined and cleaned up and wired brushed and you are all set to go. Now that's the end of the illustration of being set apart for God as far as screwdrivers and tools are concerned. But this is something that we have to do that all of us are susceptible to and that is the setting apart. Now the setting apart, what, what triggers us to be unholy? Now we're called to be holy, but what triggers us to be unholy? Now I will tell you what that is. There are five things that trigger you to be unholy. And if all those fail, there's one more. But there are five things that will cause you to fall into a state of being rejected by God, at least in fellowship or if you're part of the world, your salvation. Now, what are those things? They are your sight, your smell, your taste, your hearing, and your touch. All of those five things will lead you down the wrong way. And there's one other that will do that if all those fail. And that's this. This will lead you down the wrong way. Let me give you an example. I have several examples here. What color do you think, and this is the eyes, what color do you think men like the most? They've done surveys on this. What color do you think is is man's favorite color? Blue. What color do you think is a woman's favorite color? Pink. It's pink. I, I, I read this and I go, no way. That can't. And they started talking about how they came up with this. And women like the red hues overall. Now, there are some individuals that don't like that. They also said the women like the blue-green tints that are in there and the turquoise and things like that. But overall, women like pink and boys like blue. Oh, but we want to change that in our society, don't we? We're, no, that can't be right. We want to put boys in, not pink, but salmon. We call it salmon instead of pink, right? And we want to change the rules. So there's this idea that we are attracted to things by our eyes. I'm going to go back a little bit farther. Uh, her name, I believe, was Mary Blair. Mary Blair was the artist for Disney Studios. She is the one that came in and did Cinderella. And Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland and the colors that she used really revolutionized the animation industry. Where you would have these colors and you just want to look at the screen, not so much for the story, but the colors that were used. For those of us who are old enough to remember this, It's a Small World in Disneyland wasn't always white. Do you remember that? It was the colors that were selected by this woman, Mary Blair, who was also doing all of these uh, different animation projects. And she chose some of the colors for around Disneyland. She was the one that was doing that. And again, she revolutionized the color industry as far as it affected animation. And she had an effect. And people would gravitate just because of those colors. Now, that's just one point, uh, the eyes. Now, sound. You can hear something that is just so beautiful you will gravitate towards it. Or you can hear something that is so juicy, you need to hear it again. 
You guys know what I'm talking about. It's just like, no. And you hear it, and it just goes in, and that gossip gossip goes down like a tasty morsel. And you just, oh, man, that is just good stuff, right? Why do you think the magazines like Us and Self and People are so popular? It's because you get the gossip which is out there. You find out what's taking place. Well, what about uh, Touch? I can remember raising my daughters, taking them in and changing them. You know, every parent has to do that. But I remember their bellies. Their bellies were just so smooth. And I'd want to put my lips on there and just blow and stick my face on their bellies. And they were just so smooth and cuddly. You know, that touch of a, a brand new baby. They're just, it's so great. And I remember that about my daughters, you know, just being so soft and all of that. And so all of these things that we have with our senses, the touch, the sound, the eyesight, uh, the the taste that we have. For instance, uh, let me start with this. Imagine going to an Italian restaurant and you sit down and you have some gnocchi or you have some angel hair pasta, regular spaghetti, and it's steaming there. And then there's this marinara sauce that is over the top with some Parmesan cheese that is sprinkled there. And you take the bread that has the mozzarella cheese that you just pull apart and the garlic that's on there. And you're you're smelling that and you dip it a little in the sauce and you put it in. Anyone salivating yet? No? Okay, steak. You smell the steak that is cooking there and it's sizzling away and it has just the right herbs and spices on top and it gets there and you cut it and it's just slightly pink to a little bit red on the inside and you put that in your mouth and it just melts in your mouth. Is that good or what? Or, you know, I could go on with desserts. I mean, it's just you pick your food. You like those things. You would eat eat those. What if I said there's a plate of dirt for you? Not appetizing at all, right? And if you took some of that, that would be bad. The point is the senses. Now, with the eyes, men, what is the most beautiful thing on the face of the earth? See? Whoever said that, he knows. The most beautiful thing on the face of the earth is a woman. Now, there are some wonderful-looking things out there, but a man would forsake everything out there for the beauty of a woman. That's what he would sacrifice for. And God designed it that way. And that is good. And that's why all the guys are looking around. Where's mine? I'm going to find mine somewhere. My woman is out there somewhere. The problem with that is the viewing doesn't shut off when you get the one. So you've grabbed the one. Oh, there's another one over there. And you, you want to go to that one over there. And that is where you start becoming unholy. And our minds become, uh, and this is a word, titillated, where it is tickled a little bit. And you want more. And you want it to be satisfied, which leads to problems of lust, immorality, pornography, and everything that is out there. And you go in the wrong direction. And that is a constant temptation for every man who is normal, who is out there. And with the women, you know, guys can say just the right things to catch the woman. 
I noticed in the room the other day, there was, uh, for the rummage sale, there was this big lure. And he pulled this lure out. I think Steve pulled it out. And he goes, look at this thing. And it was about this long. You wanted to catch a big fish. The same thing is used verbally for women. You take out a shiny lure and you say all the right things. And she starts looking at it. And that thing is just glistening up there and it's going back. And, she's just, and you say how beautiful she is, how wonderful she is, and how smart she is, and how funny she is. And she is just captivated. And pretty soon the guy intends to catch her. And she goes after the lure and she is drug away. The problem is there are guys out there who are players. They are not after a wife. They are after satisfaction physically and then dump the girl and move on. But see, the women are so captivated by that. And we are given guidelines, whether it's with the sight, the heart or the mind, I should say, the ears, all of those things that we have, we can overindulge. There are times in my life when I used to wrestle, I would starve myself for a week. And then right before the wrestling match, I would eat three hamburgers and french fries and a whole bottle of honey. I would just take it all down. I would overindulge. And we're not supposed to do that. That's what will get us in trouble as far as being unholy, going the way of the flesh. And God says uh, the fruit of the Spirit that has been given to us, the last thing in Galatians chapter 5 that is given to us is self-control where we say no. You get the Girl Scout cookies. I could devour a whole box in one sitting. I could just take the whole thing down. And God tells us, you are to be separate, set apart. You are to be holy for his service. You are to be peacemakers. And make sure that you pursue that with a vengeance. Make sure you put up the hedges and the controls that you need in order to keep from falling in that direction. So that's what he's talking about as far as being holy. In verse 15 it says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And this is in keeping with holiness, this idea of bitter. Have you ever met a bitter person where they express animosity, anger, and harshness? They have nothing good to say. That bitterness comes out like a poisonous flame and it just repulses those who come in contact with it. They are those who complain. They scowl. That type of thing. The Lord says, do not let a root of bitterness take root in you. Has somebody offended you at some time and you have nothing good to say about them? And when everybody, somebody talks to you about that individual or you just freely offer the information, this scowl comes out of your mouth where you are talking to others and they can tell the bitterness of your heart. And it causes many to be affected when we carry around bitterness like that we will eventually tell somebody about it and when we do it affects them as well how do you think somebody feels that comes up and they're sitting next to you and you start talking to them about the bitterness that is in your heart how do you think that they feel they go they probably do this oh man okay so how am i going to handle this one they are really bitter they're just oh wow they're just kind of going off i don't know if this is so good and then what happens if they do it in a group of people inside a church? It just infects everybody. The gossip and the murmuring that takes place and the, the, the bitterness that comes to the surface, God tells us to get rid of that. 
And you might say, well, it's easy for you to say, you haven't gone through all the problems that I have gone through. Well, no, because God hasn't chosen those for me. God only gives us what we can handle. If you have gone through a particular trial and it has been extremely rough, God knows, he understands. He died to save us from that, but he does not allow us, no matter what the trial is, to fall into bitterness. He says, you shall not do this. Now, how do you get out of stuff like that? Well, we're going to get to that. But let's go ahead and continue on here. So, so far, you know, we have dealt with this idea of being prepared, being fit physically, being right spiritually with peace and holiness. But also, we want to make sure that we do not let bitterness take root in us that causes trouble and defiles many. We are to make sure that we stay away from that. Verse 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Verse 16, See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, he wanted to inherit this blessing. He was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. And so under this idea of holiness, getting rid of the bitterness, where we're not defiling those who are around us, making sure we're setting ourselves apart, specifically, he mentions sexual immorality. Now, sexual immorality uh, involves all of those things concerning sex that God deems sinful. There's only one place where sex is acceptable, and that is inside the confines of marriage. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But anything that is outside of that, for instance, is it for a man? Is it good for a man to lust after another woman that is not his wife? The answer is no. Is it good for a woman to lust after another man who is not her husband? The answer is no. Should you view things like that? The answer is no. What would you say if I told you, and this is all over the news, I don't know how you could miss it. What would you say if I told you I'm going to go see Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah, you'd probably say, I don't think that's a good idea. Why not? You know, I think there are a lot of Christians who think it's all right. Now, if you don't know what Fifty Shades of Grey is, you have put your head in the sand. You haven't been paying attention to what is going on out there. There are all kinds of articles everywhere in all of the news. You know, it's breaking records in sales for the tickets that are out there. And what's it for? It's for our minds. Now, look, I need to let you know this. I, I am not some person to sit on a pedestal and say, He's holy. He has this glow about him. I am not, okay? I, I'm telling you the same sins and temptations that you have, I have. I struggle just like you, probably more. Why? Because I'm a target. Once you get into ministry, or any of you who are in ministry, doing something in ministry, you are a target. It's like that uh, one artist, I forget his name, he had those two deer standing up and one of them had this target on his belly and the other deer standing next to him saying, man, that's a bummer of a birthmark. You get a, you get a target on you when you're doing anything in ministry. So those fiery darts come in even more regularly. So I'm not one to be set up as some 
holy saying. I'm just telling you, this is what God wants me to tell you because he already told me. And, okay, I've, I've gone to this and go, God, you're so right on this. I need to make sure that I'm set apart and holy. I need to make sure I don't go see 50 shades of gray. I need to make sure that I stand up and say, this is not good for anyone who is here. I cannot tell you how this is affecting our society. You just read a little bit about this. And, you know, I, I saw the... Um, Two actors in this one article that was there. Do you know who the daughter is? You'll be surprised to find out who the daughter is. The daughter is of the marriage of Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith. You remember who they are? Miami Vice and um, I forget the other movies that his wife has been in. That's their daughter. And she said in one article, yeah, I don't want my parents to see the movie. You think? You, you know, I, I look at that and I go, where's our society going with this? We see our society just going down and we're supposed to stand up and say, this is not right. You know, we shouldn't be. How do we think this is going to benefit ourselves and everyone else around you? Now, if you've already seen it, I, I don't know if it's out yet. It, somebody know if it's out yet? Is it out yet? It's out? You know, if you've already seen it, and I'm talking to you, there's two reactions you're going to have. You're going to say, well, I really blew it on that one. That's one reaction. The other reaction is, I have the freedom to do that. I can do whatever I want. You can. You absolutely can do do whatever you want. But I will tell you this. That if you think that's okay and whatever else you're involved in is okay, the Lord knows and I am not supposed to offer any assurance of salvation for the person who says, I am saved, but this is okay to do. It's completely different if somebody is caught in a sin and somebody who uh, drinks too much and they get drunk and they know what's wrong and they're trying to get out, but they seem to be addicted and they haven't gotten any help and they, they keep on falling. The righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, those who are spiritual are supposed to come up back and restore those who have fallen. That's a whole nother matter. It's the individual who says, I can do this and it's okay. Now, when God calls it sin, it's not okay. Fifty shades of gray would lead to lusting. There's no question about that. And as Christians, we're to be set apart. We're to be different. We're to say, this is not acceptable. You know, we're not supposed to be involved in that. Uh, there was, Patty and I, we, we try to be discerning. We like to go to movies. We enjoy movie going. But there's a point where we won't. And I, I recently looked up a bunch of movies and I looked for the cuss words in the movies. There's listings for how many cuss words are in movies. And I couldn't believe the movies that are out there. And I'm not going to name the movies for you, but there's a real popular one out there. 115 times the F-bomb is dropped. Very popular movie. There's one, I will mention this one, The Wolf of Wall Street. You know how many times the F-bomb was dropped in that? 850 times. Now, how, how often do we go into a movie and say, okay, that's enough. You know, I'm a little more desensitized to it. You know, I, I kind of grew up in it, and that's just the way it was. And four boys and my father and everybody he hung out with, ex-Marine. Not Marines are bad or anything like that, but, you know, it, it was just the way it was. 
And so I'm a little more tolerant, and, and, but Patty is not. And we get a, like a couple words in there. It's just like it drags me down. It's, it's kind of like a, a shock, right? You're sitting there, and at first it's just somebody touches you with two wires. And you go, ow, ow, ow. And then, ow, and ow. You get to number five or six or seven, that's it, you know. You probably need to be out before that. But these are the things that I'm talking about. Now, I know in closing here that I'm applying a shock. I know that I'm doing that. Not only are you receiving that, I've done that to myself. Like, no, okay, I, I need to stop. I need to stop going in that direction. I'm, this applies to me just like it applies to you. You are no different than me. We are all in the same boat. I'm just holding the rudder and maybe you're on an oar. Okay, that's it. It, it doesn't make any difference for us. But these things, God tells us we're to be separate. We're to be set apart. We're not to be like the world. When somebody comes up to you and says, hey, let's go see 50 Shades of Grey, you're to go, I don't. I'm not supposed to do that. And you're not supposed to say, because Pastor Bill told me I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> you're supposed to say, because, you know, I don't think God would want me to see that. And I'd say, God, what does God have to do with it? And you'd say, everything. Do you have a minute? Let me talk to you about this. This is how we're supposed to live. And we're supposed to do this how? Go back to the beginning of the chapter. Like the runner who's getting down and he's getting ready to take off and he's focused. He's not getting sidetracked. My exhortation to you, and there's a lot more here that we're going to go through. I'll review these points as we get through next week. This is the application for what the author of Hebrews has been saying. This is what he's telling us to do. This is a thing that is pleasing to God. This is what will bring us over the final threshold. And when we do so, we will enter into the glory of God. And everything that is there, it will be so much better if we can do so without carrying that baggage with us. We need to shed that. The sin that so easily hinders. My encouragement to you is look to Christ. Don't look to the ways of the world. Don't allow your mind to be titillated by with what is out there and the five senses. Bring them under control. Don't let any of those senses rule your life. And you can go through them again. I encourage you as you leave this place today to go home and meditate about that. Which area, which sense drives you most towards unholiness? And focus on on bringing that under control. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your care for us and how you've written these things down and what you expect. We ask, Lord, that you would help us. Help us just to subdue the flesh, consider it crucified, picking up our cross daily. And we know that you can do this in us as we humbly submit to you. We just pray for additional strength, Lord, and forgive us when we fail. We know that the conviction of your Holy Spirit is good. And Father, help us to rely on that even more. And we cry out to you. We ask again for that strength that we can be separated, put apart as one useful in your hands. And we thank you for the encouragements from your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said.